Today on Let the Bible Speak. Baptism is one of the most iconic practices of the Christian faith, but there are many views about what it is, who it's for, and what its purpose is. Does it make any difference? Welcome. It's good to begin a new week with you by studying the Word of God and considering the teachings of Christ Jesus our Lord. Thanks for joining me. Today we come to the last in a series of lessons we have entitled, Does It Make Any Difference? Though people disagree about many subjects in the Bible, we have largely dismissed most of these disagreements by saying that at the end of the day it doesn't really matter anyway. But is that true? Well, that's the point of our series of studies. Today we wish to consider the rudimentary Bible subject of baptism. Baptism is the point in time when one enters the family of God. The New Testament writers place a great deal of urgency and importance upon this act of faith and obedience, but changes to the practice of baptism began not long after the apostolic era, and people's views of the purpose of baptism radically changed with the beginning of the Protestant Reformation and the teaching of the reformer Huldrych Zwingli. The result is that today there are many, many views about what constitutes baptism, who should be baptized, and what the role of baptism is in a person's life and faith. Different religious groups teach different things about it. Does any of it make any difference? Does God accept all forms of baptism? Well, as a beginning point, I want to read from Acts chapter 19, and we'll begin in verse 1. Luke records, And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus, and finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, Into what then were you baptized? So they said, Into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Well, here was a group of people who were following religious teaching. They believed, and they had been baptized. But for some reason, Paul found their baptism invalid and insufficient. They were baptized again. What was wrong with the first one? And why did it make any difference? As we shall see, these disciples were baptized believing they were being obedient to God, but something rendered their baptism insufficient and ineffectual. We'll look at this and other passages today in our lesson, Does It Make Any Difference Why I'm Baptized? After a song.
Baptism, as the term is generally applied today, is a near universal practice of the religious community, particularly those who profess to follow Christ. It is considered one of the most fundamental ordinances taught and practiced by New Testament believers. It's also one of the most debated and controversial subjects throughout church history. Consequently, there are many opposing beliefs today about the purpose of baptism, the mode of baptism, and who is a candidate for baptism. If you consider yourself a Christian, it is more likely than not at some point you were baptized in water or underwent some procedure the religious organization you identified with called baptism. Very few people would dare argue that water baptism is not in some way part of Christianity, and relatively few would deny that baptism is a good thing and that a person should submit to it. What does the Bible teach about baptism, though? What is its place? You know, with all of the widely varying ideas about baptism, does it make any difference what I believe about it? What kind of baptism I submitted to? Does it matter how and why, so long as I was baptized? Well, like the other subjects in our recent series, many people would say, no, it makes no difference as long as you were sincere in whatever you did. But is that how we should look at it? More importantly, is that how the Lord looks at it? Well, the only way we know how the Lord looks at anything is by seeing what His Word teaches about it, and that's what we wish to do today. In Acts chapter 19, the passage we read at the beginning of the program, we find Paul traveling to Ephesus and encountering a group of about a dozen men who had apparently been taught by a man named Apollos. In fact, Apollos had just left that city, according to Acts chapter 18. Apollos was an impressive preacher. Uh, He was eloquent in speech. He was very knowledgeable about the Old Testament scriptures. He was evidently quite effective and persuasive. Apollos was not a bad man. He was just misinformed. He didn't have nefarious motives. He just didn't know some things, and someone needed to teach him the truth and to set him straight. He was like all of us are regarding some things at one time or another. There were things he did not yet know or fully understand. Now, in Apollos' case, it was a pretty major misunderstanding. Acts chapter 18, verse 25 tells us that this man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he knew only the baptism of John. You see, Apollos was not perverting the Old Testament scriptures. He was not out trying to fleece the flock, uh, nor was he trying to lead people away from Christ. But for all that he did know, he was missing something very, very important. He was missing a key piece to the puzzle. All he knew, so far as baptism was concerned, was the baptism of John. So what was wrong with John's baptism? Well, nothing was wrong with John's baptism at the time John was baptizing. Jesus himself even implied that John's baptism was from heaven, Matthew 21, verse 25. And the Bible tells us that Jesus, through his disciples, baptized many throughout his ministry under the idea, the uh, notion of John's baptism. Now, Apollos and John, the baptism of John, I should say, uh, John baptized the right way, immersing people in water, John 3, verse 23. Uh, He was baptizing them for the right purpose that is, upon the people's repentance and in order to obtain the forgiveness of sins, Mark 1, verse 4. But John's baptism was for the time leading up to Christ's kingdom. In other words, it served a special purpose at that time. It looked forward to the messianic appearance and Christ's coming rule. When Christ came, though, and fulfilled all things and was coronated as king, well, baptism no longer looked forward to the Christ and his kingdom to come. Rather, baptism now looks back to the Christ who came 
and admits us into the kingdom that now is. Well, Apollos didn't understand all of this. So the result is Apollos was going about the country, still preaching the baptism of John long after the events of Pentecost. But a wonderful couple in the church named Aquila and Priscilla heard Apollos preach there in Ephesus, and the Bible says they took him home with them, and they taught him the word of the Lord more perfectly. Now we can cut Apollos a little more slack than some today who misrepresent Christ's teaching on baptism because, uh, first of all, all of this was new, and Apollos, he didn't have the New Testament scriptures to read and to study. But thankfully, he had this godly little couple who cared enough about him to take him aside and teach him the truth and put him on the right track. Well, we get to the next chapter, chapter 19, and after Apollos leaves for Corinth, Paul comes to Ephesus, and he finds a dozen men who likely had heard Apollos preach before he came to understand the truth. And these men were trying to follow Christ, and when they met Paul, Paul asked them if they had received the Holy Spirit since they believed. Now, the apostles exclusively had the power to lay hands upon new believers and impart the gifts of the Spirit to them to aid in their spiritual development since they didn't have the completed revelation of truth at that time. So now Paul asked them if this had happened to them. Their reply was startling, and it told Paul that something was missing, something was wrong. They said, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Now, I don't think they meant by that that they didn't know the Holy Spirit exists, but rather what they were saying was, and some translations bear this out, that they had heard nothing about the Holy Spirit being given and received. In other words, they were not aware of all that had taken place beginning on the day of Pentecost. And this raised a red flag. This told Paul that they were woefully lacking in their understanding. And so he asks them, Into what then were you baptized? So they said, Into John's baptism. Now, now notice a few things. One, they had been baptized. Uh, two, their baptism was a baptism of obedience. There is no doubt when they were baptized, whoever taught them to be baptized, that they believed they were obeying God. And as I say, John's baptism at the time in which it was in effect was indeed from heaven. And had all this taken place before Christ died on the cross, well, their baptism would have been perfectly fine. But in their case, Apollos, and perhaps others like him, were mistakenly still going about preaching the baptism of John when John's baptism had expired, and therefore was no longer relevant. The result was that rendered the baptisms of these twelve men invalid and ineffectual. Now Paul explains to them the difference, and then in verse 5 it says, When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of or by the authority of the Lord Jesus. Now, friend, this episode shows us that not only is baptism important, and it's important that we have some understanding of baptism and its purpose, uh, and that we take that understanding into baptism. It makes a difference, in other words, about my baptism and whether it was right and scriptural. Let's for a few moments explore that in view of the many teachings that exist today about baptism. In fact, I want to go so far as to say that if it made a difference in the case when these people had simply submitted to a baptism that was right but outdated, then it certainly makes a difference when it comes to the many baptisms that are taught today that are the result of the traditions of men and never were taught of God and taught within the Scriptures. First of all, does it make any difference whether I'm baptized at all? Now again, most people would likely say that baptism is a good thing, 
But there's a big difference between saying something is good or even important and on the other hand saying that it's necessary. Now while most preachers and religious organizations will certainly encourage people to be baptized, they do not believe that it makes any difference in a person's spiritual condition and in their relationship to God. Some strangely, ironically think that it affects one's relationship to the church more than it does one's relationship to the Lord. The short answer to our question though, does it make any difference whether or not I'm baptized, is yes, because if for no other reason, it is a commandment of Jesus Christ. You know, the Lord never suggested that people be baptized. He never recommended that people be baptized. He commanded it. He told his apostles in Matthew chapter 28 verse 19 to go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now notice that Jesus connected baptism to people becoming his disciples. He commanded his disciples to go out and to teach, to make disciples and to baptize those they taught about Jesus Christ. But notice also how Christ makes a distinction between the command to baptize them and then to teach them to observe the things Christ commanded. In other words, baptism is not just one of many church ordinances and practices for those who are already saved to observe. Baptism occupies a different and a very special place. Baptism is at the beginning. Baptism is the point of entry. Then comes the teaching of those things that Christians are to do. Jesus said, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. John chapter 3 and verse 5. The Lord also said, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. Mark 16 verse 16. The apostles, acting upon Jesus' commission, the apostles commanded, not suggested, they commanded men and women to be baptized upon hearing and believing the gospel. When the thousands on Pentecost interrupted Peter's sermon, wanting to know what they must do to be saved, Peter said, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. Now I want to ask you a question. When you watch these great revivals on television, when you watch these crusades on television, when you see the great revivalists and evangelists standing on platforms teaching thousands and thousands of people in stadiums and on television and radio around the world, how many times have you heard them urge people that in order to be saved they needed to repent of their sins and be baptized for the forgiveness of their sins? I suggest you probably never heard that. If you have, it's very, very rare. But that's what the people on the day of Pentecost heard. Friend, if the Bible connects baptism to receiving the forgiveness or the remission of sins, and it does, how can it not make a difference whether I am baptized? And please note, even though he had no sins to remit, even Jesus the Lord submitted to baptism, explaining that he was doing so to fulfill all righteousness. In other words, it was the right and the proper thing for him to do. And he set an example for us in so doing. The widely accepted and parroted idea that baptism is unnecessary is simply contrary to Scripture. And one cannot be obedient to Christ without first submitting to baptism. Paul said that those who do not obey the gospel will be punished with everlasting destruction when the Lord returns. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 7-9. through 
Second, though, it not only matters if I'm baptized, it matters how I'm baptized. The word baptize is a transliteration of the word used in the Greek text, baptizo, and it means to dip, submerge, or emerge, or immerse, or to plunge. It can mean to overwhelm. What it does not mean is to sprinkle, or to pour a small amount of water on one's head. The word baptize implies the immersion of a person. The practice of effusion, or of sprinkling, did not originate in the church until some time after the death of the apostles. In fact, several changes to the baptism Christ commanded and that the apostles practiced took place after the apostolic period, the first of which was to substitute sprinkling in the place of immersion for baptism. That came after the time of the apostles. And even when it was first practiced, it was strongly opposed for several centuries until it was finally accepted by the leadership of the Catholic Church. Not only, though, does the word itself point to immersion for baptism in the biblical text, but the Bible's description of baptism does also. Paul said, for example, in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 12, buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Well, how does sprinkling picture that? How does pouring water on somebody's forehead picture that? Likewise, in his letter to the Romans, chapter 6, verses 3 through 5, Paul said, Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. If we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Well, sprinkling is not baptism, you see. It's a tradition of man offered in the place of scriptural baptism. But then third, it matters why I'm baptized. The apostles and the early church taught that baptism was for the forgiveness of sins. That's the scriptural phrase. And the same phrase is used in regard to why the blood of Jesus Christ was shed. It doesn't mean because of. It means in order to. We are baptized for or in order to the forgiveness of sins. And it was the point in time at which one entered the kingdom of God according to the apostles' teaching. Again, Peter in Acts 2 verse 38 said that every one of them on Pentecost was to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission, that word means forgiveness, of their sins. Saul was told in Acts 22 verse 16 that he was to immediately arise and be baptized to wash away his sins, calling upon the name of the Lord. Paul told the Galatians in Galatians 3 verse 27 that we are baptized into Christ, thus putting on Christ. And he used the same term in Romans 6 and verse 3. In other words, we are baptized into a union with Jesus Christ. Jesus taught that when we are born of water and the Spirit, that we enter the kingdom of God, John 3 verse 5. Now, friend, this was the general understanding and consensus of the church from the time of the apostles, even stretching forward to some approximately 1,500 years it wasn't until the introduction of the teachings of men like Ulrich Zwingli and John Calvin that a shift occurred and people began believing and teaching that baptism is merely an outward covenant symbol of an inward grace already received. Now many today contend that baptism is only an outward picture, an outward demonstration for the sake of the world of our former death to sin and new life in Christ. It's just a picture. They said that's all it is of our death to sin and our being raised to new life with Christ. But that's not what Paul said. Paul told the Romans, read it again in Romans chapter 6, Paul told the Romans that our baptism is a picture of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. 
Thus that we are entering into a union with him by identifying with his death, burial, and resurrection in baptism. Friend, baptism is not just a symbol of something that's already taken place, so far as we're concerned. It is not just a step of obedience along the Christian pathway. The Bible does not teach that it is a creedal requirement to join a denomination, for no denominations existed in the Bible. Rather, it is the point at which, in faith, we turn from sin and enter Christ Jesus and receive the forgiveness of our sins and consequently are added by Christ to His church. Now, that's what the Bible teaches about the purpose of baptism, and it makes a difference. Now, baptism is not like understanding the book of Revelation. Baptism is a rudimentary step in becoming a Christian and being added to the congregation of Christ. And the Bible is very clear about what baptism is, what it is for, and who it is for. Yes, there are many false doctrines about baptism today, and don't be deceived by them. And if your baptism was not for the remission of sins, to enter into a saving union with Christ and into His body, the church, it was not a scriptural baptism. Paul said in Romans 6 verse 17 that we must obey from the heart that form of doctrine. It's not just a matter of being dipped in water and that is that. We must be doing so for the right purpose, from the right motive, to the right end. And in conclusion, it makes a difference when I am baptized. For one thing, baptism is not for babies and small children. It is not for the, pers uh, for the person who has not been taught the gospel or for the person incapable of understanding the simple truth of the gospel. Jesus taught in Mark 16, verse 16, that faith must precede baptism. Well, a baby can't believe. A baby is incapable of having faith. Peter taught that repentance must precede baptism, Acts 2, verse 38. Well, a baby cannot repent and has no sins to repent of. Baptism is for the believing, penitent sinner who is capable of making the decision at that time to follow Jesus Christ and to commit himself to submitting to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. It's the beginning of the Christian journey. Now that's what the Bible teaches about baptism. And it makes a difference about your baptism and whether it meets those requirements. Now, I know people will say, when I've been baptized... Or, you know, this church or that church, they, they baptize. They tell people they ought to be baptized. But there's a difference between saying, I've been baptized, and, you know, the church I attend baptizes, or my preacher told me I should be baptized, and at the same time understanding what the Bible actually teaches about baptism. And one more thing, the apostles of Jesus always made baptism an urgent and immediate requirement for the sinner who wanted to be saved. You never read of people being told to wait a single day much less to the summertime or to the revival meeting or whatever, to be baptized when they learned of Christ. It was always immediately. And if that doesn't describe the circumstance of your baptism whenever it was, that ought to raise a red flag. Baptism is a command of Christ. It stands between the sinner in his sin and a redeemed person made free from their sin, Romans 6, verses 17 and 18. And my friend, if you see the need to be baptized into Christ, the time is now, it's today. Make no delay, because it's important, and yes, it makes a difference. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. Lift high His royal banner, it must be.
it's certainly been good to be with you today, and I hope you've enjoyed our series, Does It Make Any Difference? If you'd like to have a free printed transcript of today's lesson, ask for the lesson, Does It Make Any Difference About Baptism? Does it make any difference about baptism? And we will get that copy to you as soon as we can. Again, it's free of cost. We would love to hear from our viewers, no matter where you are today, but today we'd especially like to hear from our viewers watching out of Columbus, Georgia. If you live in the Columbus, uh, LaGrange area over in Auburn, Alabama, we'd love for you to drop us a line or give us a call and just let us know that you're watching the program and that you enjoy it from week to week. Be sure to keep in touch with us online, our website, ltbstv.org. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. We have a podcast you can search for. All of that, just search for Let the Bible Speak TV with Kevin Presley. And be sure to subscribe and follow us on the various platforms. Make your plans to join me back here, if God is willing, for another Bible study next week and encourage someone else to do the same. Until then, may the Lord bless you, and I hope you have a wonderful week. Let the Bible Speak is brought to you by The Church of Christ. For more information, including our past broadcasts and sermon transcripts, visit ltbstv.org. Thanks for being with us today. Join us next time for Let the Bible Speak.